This is Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 21. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. All right, men, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. It's good to do another show. I'm Guy Mullen, and I'm back with Chris Field. Hi, everybody. Great to be back with you. And we've got a topic that I think is really going to be provocative for a number of people tonight. I think that as we delve into what we're talking about tonight, um, a lot of people are going to get really good value. So do listen in. Yeah. So we're talking about a topic that I, I haven't met a man who doesn't struggle with at some point in his life. You know, we're one thing on the outside, but often we're, there's something else going on on the inside. And, you know, it varies a little bit by personality type and what our experiences are, but we all have our inner demons, if you like, our inner thoughts that can plague us and hold us back and stop us being what God wants us to be. So we're going to touch on that a little bit tonight. And I guess the real question is then when we do confront that, which we all do from time to time, what in the world has God provided as strategies for us to be able to to work through that get some level of success or even just get through the day so that we can be ready to find his grace for another day to come. Yeah, and one of the things we were just talking about before we came on on, on air was that, uh, you know, sometimes we hear a lot about positive thinking and we can rebel against it a wee bit and say, well, you know, positive thinking isn't enough. You know, it's just a humanistic way, a new age type of way of, of trying to gloss over today's problems. But the, the Bible actually tells us that the what we think and, and what we, how we discipline our minds to, to think about things is actually really important. And I think the, the verse you've got in mind, of course, is as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah. And I think that's really important for a lot of reasons. But you want to give us our reference? Proverbs 23, verse 7. Yeah. 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 And, and there's, there's some in the, the New Testament as well. Ephesians 4, 23 and and Romans 12, too, say a similar thing. They use the word renew. Renew in the spirit of your minds will be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so, you know, so the scriptures are telling us that it's important what we allow ourselves to think about. I think the other thing that I'd like to draw to our attention before we dive in and introduce our guest for the night is that that verse out of Proverbs talks about as a man thinks in his heart. Mm. A lot of people play games with their head. They mm put a thought in there and they bounce it around thinking if I can just get that thought to kind of take root. But the scripture in that case talks about a man thinking in his heart. Mm. And the truth is, I think it's fair to say men are deeper than people often credit them to be. You know, the still waters run deep. I think men think deeply and men even have very deep emotional uh, feelings about things. They may not show it. They may say, oh, my wife's the emotional one, but we're, we're actually very deep individuals. And some of that stuff, the thoughts that are way down there in the depths can be very powerful. And we really need to be open them up to God, as well as just the thoughts that we're more thinking in the top of our head, the things mm. that just bounce through our mind day to day. And of course, our thoughts come from somewhere, don't they? Mm-hmm. They come from somewhere. Our thoughts are a, a, a function of our attitudes and our motives and also at our, our beliefs. And so we're not, we're not going to get into that depth of on this podcast today. We're going to keep it at the I guess, at the level of, of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. But then what we think, then what we think, why is what, what we think important? What we think is important because then that translates to what we say and what we do, doesn't it? Now, I think it's about time we probably introduced our guest because we have with is. us in the studio today, Mal Turton, a friend of both Guy and myself who we've known for a number of years. 
And we particularly invited Mal onto the program today because he understands from very deep personal experience what it is to be completely swamped by dark thoughts, things that really trouble him. Mm. And back in his teenage years, uh, when his life was a much, much more of a mess than it, it, it became, uh, he even took some pretty drastic measures. So, Mal, welcome to the program. Hi. Great to have you with us. Um, just tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your, how old you are, and married with a, a bunch of kids and so on. So, our, our you listeners. You don't have can. to say how old you are. Because. <laughs> Just say you're between Chris and me. I'm 60, and some people have asked if Chris was my father. Now, that's just really not fair. The audience can't see me. I can't imagine what they imagine when they hear yeah. that. Yeah, Chris is 63. He doesn't look that, that old. But he looks a lot better than me. Um, and I have four children, um, girl, boy, girl, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been married for you've been married 20. for a while too, haven't you? How long have you been married for? I've been married for thirty. Was it this year? Seventeen. Yeah. Thirty-three years come December. Thirty-three mm. years. Wow. Good. So we have got to go back to your teenage years, then, Mal, if we may, just have a, just a bit of a, a capture for the sake of our audience to get a bit of a tune into what you were dealing with way back then. You've been raised in a Christian home. Yes. But you had sort of abandoned your faith or, or deviated to some degree at that point? I definitely deviated. Um, I potentially became a Christian, I'll find out when uh, we get to heaven, when I was about 12, Billy Graham crusade, uh, parrot fashion to prayer, and I did all the follow-up and got all the ticks and all that sort of stuff, so apparently I knew what I was talking about. Um, But by the time I was 15, I decided I was not a Christian. Not that I didn't want to be, but that I was not a Christian. And about that time, I think that probably stripped all my motivation away. Um, I stopped working at school and got uh, the right results <laughs> from not working at school. Um, so you fell into a bit of a pit, is that the way we, we'd put it? That basically as a teenager you're kind of just... A- absolutely, by the time I was, as I've described it in the past, um, and, and this was probably definitely the case at about 17... I was alternating between lows of depression and highs of depression. Wow. Um, I could be distracted by, you know, some kind of good time or whatever, but as soon as I got by myself and got home to bed and whatnot, I would stay awake with my mind churning over till three and four o'clock. So you've got no idea where that came from? Well, that depression, you know, wasn't that someone kind of... The only thing that I can positively pinpoint as a significant, what would have been a significant factor, was actually probably about 14. I think I'd been competing in inter-school diving. And unbeknownst to me, my father, who had some pretty serious experience about diving had come along to watch and afterwards he turned up and I was thrilled to see him there and he told me that I did the best dive of the day which included all aged divers that he'd seen there 
so all the 17 year olds as well and I was 14 I think and um, and then he said and you did the worst dive of the day and what I interpreted from that was if you're not number one you're nothing and well, excuse me, just cutting in it, Guy, this really does reflect on what we've covered several times about fathering and the father heart and the relationship with their dad having powerful impact on us. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. The, for males, how important is that, that male role body, body, somebody to affirm, somebody to say, hey, you're important, that, you're, that you mean you're making it as a man, that you are becoming a man, that you are a man, you know? So, so Mal, you'd think that that probably was a bit of a trigger for you. Well, I can't say that I wasn't on the way at that point. I don't remember before that, but I know that has kept coming back. So how low did you go? You talked about lows of depression and highs of depression. Wow. Um, what was, the, what was the, the, the crunch point, the bottom point for you? Well, uh, well, the absolute bottom point, I was almost 18 or 17, and I had... I'd, left home because my father said Tim or me, one of us is leaving and I went to the country uh, to live and I struck up a friendship with a girl which was just a friendship and um, she treated me normally, I'd say maybe not as a problem Um, and you know she didn't have any preconceived ideas about me or anything like that although you could have got them from the way I looked. <laughs> um, and, uh, and her father ultimately decided you're not seeing him anymore. And uh, I was invited to a meal, not knowing... Well, I wasn't invited to a meal. She was invited to where I was staying for a meal and uh, this was the opportunity that she was, it was designed for her to tell me that she wasn't going to see me anymore. We were not dating. Um, You know, I was seeing her church youth group and at the home where I was staying and that was about it. And, um, And she told me that night, and in something of a blank, but obviously wasn't completely blank, um, but I, and part of this is reasoning back now, um, but I, I thought, well, that's it, there's nothing left, I've lost everything. Um, and I just went out into the kitchen and took a knife out of the kitchen drawer and stuck it in my stomach up to the Now that's handle. pretty dramatic. I presume yeah. they called the ambulance the whole deal, mm-hmm. did they? They called the ambulance and I realised that I um, hadn't achieved the goal and um, there were some distressed people around and so I was actually cracking some jokes to, you know, I thought to make them feel better. <laughs> um, and uh, the ambulance turned up and I refused to cooperate um, I think wouldn't let them take me away or wouldn't let them examine me or some such thing and so they then called the police 
and um, after the copper whacked me across the face, I think I cooperated after that. Um, you would have got tasered today, but back then... Very likely, yeah. Um, so, so what was? tell us a bit more about what was going through... What was going through your mind? What were some of the thoughts that you were having leading up to this? Do you remember? Um, well, I remember that I... Uh, at various times, I didn't think I was going to live till I was 18. I thought I'd be gone by there then, and later on thought I would be gone before I was 25. Um, and But at 15, I'd given up at school, and I was thinking... And this I do remember. Why should I bust my guts to get the marks I want, to get in the course I want, to get the job and the house and the wife and the kids if I'm not happy? And so I saw it all as a waste of time, that none of that meant anything if I wasn't happy. And I knew, well, I say that I knew. In my mind, I certainly thought I'm not a Christian. So, so most people, well, maybe I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people, when they get married, they think, okay, I'm going to get married, my wife, and and getting married is going to make me happy. So you weren't you weren't thinking that you weren't no. you weren't thinking that marriage was going to make you happy. No. So you weren't thinking that anything was going to make you happy. That you were. What? Why was that? Um. Pro- probably going back to. Um maybe the sense of failure, um, you know, if you're not number one, you're nothing. But I can't say for sure leading up to that. I know before that and after that, um, I'd got to the point of misery where I had pretty much daily rages, I think, um, and just having that amount of adrenaline in your system, I don't think is uh, too good for your emotional state. Mm. That's the reverse of peace. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'd been... Um, when I stopped working, of course, I stopped achieving. And, and one of the things actually was... Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the factors in murking the whole thing was I was a bit of a perfectionist and so in form four now year 10 English I didn't hand any work in it wasn't I did the work I wrote the essays and everything but they weren't good enough for me and I didn't hand them in so I got a string of zeros I'd completely lost interest in doing so you did the work you did the work for these these courses yeah but you didn't hand them in because you weren't happy with them yeah and you were you so you're afraid of getting a less than perfect mark is that or was it just that would probably be a reasonable assumption i don't know if that thought was in my mm. mind mm. but um you know it's just like anything if you if you think the job you've done is not good enough you you'd not want to submit that until you had it fixed and what's fascinating to notice here uh, listening to mal talk about that is that when you meet a person down the street you bump into the shop you meet them at schools as a friend you meet them in a work situation bump into them at church 
when you see their face, even when you try and read their body language and look at the way they dress or the way they present, we're clueless as yeah, to what's really yeah. going on. That's People right. wouldn't have had a clue what was going on inside your head. I mean, they could have guessed maybe by your attitude expressed here and there. But that's a fairly deep set of thoughts you have. What people see, people see that you're good at stuff. They see that you're a good swimmer. Good diving. diving. You're a good Mm. diver and you're good academically. Mm. They all see that and they think that. But that doesn't mean anything to you because you're not meeting the standards that you set for yourself. Yeah. And I guess the issue... Maybe the standard my father set for me. Well, and so the issue for all of us as men is that every single one of us probably has a unique set of internal reference points that the mm. other people around us can't read. Mm. And they make assumptions. Oh, this guy's driving this car, he's got this job, yeah. he's got this many kids, he lives in that house. We just make assumptions without any idea. And so many of the men we hear over the years that have been deeply, deeply struggling with deep issues, everyone's shocked when they hear about it because we thought he was... You know, he had everything that there could be to have. He must have been happy. But for each of us then, there's a very deep personal journey. Mm. Mm. And we see that. We've talked about this before. We see that a lot with celebrities, don't we? That on the outside, what yeah. you see in the media, everything looks great. They've got money. They've got the, the gorgeous wife. They've got the kids. They've got you know, anything that the world says is success. But yet so many of them don't live into their old age. So what do we do about our internal struggles that no one else knows about? That's the thing we're trying to talk about Mm. today. Mm. What about those deep, dark, lurking things? So, Guy, you're going to solve our problems. Well, in a sec, sec, we'll we'll talk through some strategies. And and, um, so I do have have eight tips that that I will give you which can be be a help but we so, need to so this is going to be a three hour <laughs> no. we need to remember though we need to remember though that you know if you do have uh, if you do have some really dark thoughts if you're in a dark place then you need to get some help it's not enough just to listen to a podcast and take some tips and and go and implement them you need to go and see somebody who is trained and able to to help you and uh if if, if you're in a really dark place then and you're listening to this, then I recommend you need to go and tell somebody, somebody who is trusted, get them alongside you, and and potentially go and see a professional person to help you out. So that's that's the first thing. But look, if you're just struggling with, if you're not quite at that point, but you're struggling with, with negative thoughts and they're causing you to have a roadblock from getting where you want to be, then there are some things that we can do. So what's the first one, Chris? Wow. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen your list, so I'm going to make a couple of observations. Yeah. What do you think is the most important? I think that one of the things that, that really is important for men is to not try and be Robinson Crusoe, not try and do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Obviously, from a Christian point of view, we know we engage our faith, our talking to God about different issues. But I think that we've got to be prepared to actually open up and share with other people, and particularly people who can support us, people of faith, people who have a responsibility for us, which could in fact include our own dad or a pastor, mm. uh, people around us, but to actually try and find a way to take that which is unseen, that which is haunting us in the deeper recesses of our mind and actually bring it out into the light, bring it out into the earth. Yeah, you've grabbed, you've grabbed number eight on my list. The last one you've on your list? <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> 
No. I thought I was going to start at the, at the top. No. You're very good at summing up, Chris. <laughs> that, was, that was number eight on the list and, and part of why Real Men 24-7 exists so that you men out there, you've got a friend and someone who can come alongside you and, and, uh, and help you through your, your darker times uh, because sometimes we don't, we don't want to go around to people who are close to us because, you know, we want to be anonymous. And, you know, and that is actually one of the benefits of doing, of communicating online as we can. We can be anonymous. So we do need to have that community. We've talked about that a number of times with a number of other men. And I'll just add to that, that we need to have some way of reminding ourselves, reminding ourselves, and perhaps that's where the community comes in, somebody who's accountable, who says, hey, how's your thought life been going this week? How have you been going with uh, with how you've been thinking about yourself and how you've been doing with going with that? And if we have somebody who's asking us those questions, who's not judging us, but is asking us those questions with a with a uh, with an empathetic heart, then you know it help will help to keep us on track and to help stop us dwelling in our self pity place. And anyway, we've got to go through the other seven. Well, you want to start with number one. Okay, I'll start with number one. So the first one is. You know, change is hard. Change mm. is hard. If we've been spending a long time dwelling on negative thoughts, it can be very difficult to, ch- to change. And actually, scientists tell us that the way we think affects our, our neurological pathways. And when we, wanna, when we need to break those, it's actually difficult. And so we need to have a reason. We need to have a strong reason why we want to change our patterns of behavior. And, uh, and so what is your reason why? What is your vision what is the what is the benefit to you? You need to have that reason. So that's that's number one. What is the reason why you want to change from what you're thinking to uh, to your positive thoughts? I guess. What is your life going to be like if you are able to make that change? You might say, "Well, it's not possible. I can't change the way I'm thinking." But just think about what would it be like if you were able to get rid of those negative thoughts and actually love yourself and love what you're doing. And what would your life be like? And I think just to cut in here, Guy, the fact that we actually call them negative thoughts, we recognise that they're actually toxic. We recognise it's mm. not where we want to be. And so uh, making up our mind that this is not where we're going to camp for the rest of our life, we actually want to come into a place of freedom. Yeah. And we can be so paralysed, well, how do we do it? But the first thing is to actually have a reason why. Uh, and from there, it swells up the passion to be able to go through the the, the changing of the neurological pathways to, to when the times that we fail to then pick ourselves up and go again. So, that's the, so the first one is, is the vision. And then understanding that that change takes time. Vision takes time. A number of times in the Bible a vision is given and then, and then there's a long period of time before it's actually realized. And that's true also with us. We may have a vision. Well, I want to be good at public speaking. I'm, I, I'm terrible at public speaking. I feel terrible about it. I just hate the thought of doing it, but I know I need to. Uh, and it takes time from going from that place to actually being competent at doing it. And so there's a time that has to transpire. So we don't want to be, we don't want to be too discouraged by that time. Yeah. Now, you're, you're Chris, you're an expert at public speaking. You actually teach it, is mm-hmm. that? That's true. And I think you, you, the point that you make is that you know, you're going to make incremental gains over a long period of time and you may not even realize how, how good you're getting at what you're doing, but you've got to work at it. And so stepping into any change process means you, you have a course and you have to be ready to stay the course. Mm. Um, I remember someone made a comment about investing and they were going to invest in something where they got a certain rate of return at the end of one year. 
And they made this comment, they say it takes uh, 12 months for a whole year to go past. And that sort of idea that stop stop being um, impatient, stop being um, too hasty, recognise it's going to take time, set yourself on the long-term path, let the year roll past, year number two, but keep working, keep building on that process for sure. Mm, mm. And that, the other thing sometimes we notice with men and with fathers is that when they've got a lot of guilt, a lot of negative thinking going on, sometimes that can come out in quite destructive ways, in bursts of bursts of anger, and it can they can become quite judgmental on others, on the kids and on the wife, pointing at the things that they're doing, and really, it's it's really an outpouring of what's really going on inside of them, right? And so the third thing is that we need to make the change personal. We've got to put the emphasis on changing ourselves, not changing others. Now that's really important because. In a situation where other people are causing us to feel bad, uh, we feel disappointed, we feel discouraged, we feel negative, uh, we can easily say, well, it's their fault, it's them, you know, it's the kids, mm. if they didn't, or it's the, my dad, or it's my wife, or it's the job, or it's the boss. But when we accept, hey, this is the reality, this is the landscape, it's me now that has to rise in character or in, in diligence or in responsibility to address this landscape then that's putting it in the right perspective. It's something I go I go on about over and over with some of my kids is what when they're having an argument with one another, they're always wanting to blame the other person, right? Well, she did this and she did that and she's making me angry and so on. But they are responsible for their thoughts, for their motives, for their attitudes, for their beliefs, for their actions, for their words, not what the other person is doing. And so if we just need to focus on getting ourselves right and changing our own thoughts, not on the other person, right? Absolutely. And I think that that's, that this non, well, I say non-selfish, isn't that a funny way to say it? This non-selfish perspective where instead of selfishly pointing the finger at someone else, we actually say, hey, I can become the kind of person who can live in this situation. And amazingly, there's, there's hardly a situation on the planet where there aren't people enduring tougher stuff than we're facing successfully yeah. with a positive attitude, making something of it. While we're sitting there whinging and blaming someone else. Oh, yeah. And that's and that's our fourth one. That's about having the choice, regardless of what our circumstances are. What is our choice? What is the choice that we're making of our thoughts, of our attitude to that situation? You know, and it's you know, when we look around the world and we think of people who are in dire straits, there are people who are struggling, who are dying right this moment while we're listening to this. And it doesn't mean that our problems aren't meaningful, but... It does mean that we need to stop and really consider our attitude towards our circumstances and then do we have the right attitude? I, I like to put a bit of weight on this point four of yours about choice because mm-hmm. I think of David uh, and very much impressed by this conversation he had with himself mm-hmm. when he said, why are you cast down, soul? Hope in God. It was like he was rebuking himself. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, and he encouraged himself. Yeah, he encouraged so himself in the Lord. He encouraged yeah. himself in the Lord. So he was basically saying, okay, I know you're feeling lousy in there, but why? Why in the world are you feeling lousy? God's going to get us through. And I thought, what an interesting internal conversation to be having. It's, mm. So then that's mm. our will. It's that back to what yeah. you're saying, yeah. making a choice. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could side on the side of depression or, or frustration or anger. Which is the easy way out. Yeah, or I could side on the fact... God's got everything under control. Mm. Why in the world would I want to? It's it's the will. Mm. And then number five, believe before it happens. Believe before it happens. Believe before it happens. Unpack that one for me. Okay, well, Napoleon Hill said this, and it's not the perfect quote for this, but it's 
but some of you will, will know this quote, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, the mind can achieve. Now, it's not really the perfect quote for this, but it's the best one I could find. Yeah. <laughs> you always like to try and find nice quotes to, to, to fit, your, fit your points. But Muhammad Ali was a classic with this, wasn't he? And there's, there's a post on our website, which is quite popular. You might want to check it out about Muhammad Ali. And he was the, he was the guy who believed he was the greatest before he actually achieved it. And so this is all about this is all about visioning. This is all about visualizing what we want to become. What is the success that we're after, and and believing it in the present, uh, not just in the future. And this is very scriptural because because the scriptures tell us that we we that Christ has already died for us. That we are a new creation now. That it's not new. We're not a new creation sometime in the future. We are a new creation now. So it's an appropriating of what we already have before we see it in, in, in our circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to emphasize that Guy is not a new ager here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, and that's, that's, that's the thing. Sometimes we can look at this positive thinking stuff and we think, well, this is really new age. But it, the counterfeit comes to be very close to the real thing. Yeah. And, um, and so I'll leave that point there. Number six, it's got to be believable and obtainable by you for your own good. So it's no good believing something which is impossible. Mm-hmm. Or a bit like if you've got to eat an elephant one bite at a time, work out the bite size that you're going to take on. Uh, don't imagine the whole thing swallowed in the first gulp. So yeah. find what is achievable that you can move toward. Yeah, so if we've got a vision in the future, it's got to be, bro- it's got to be able to be broken down into tangible steps and yes, there may be some seemingly impossible things that only God can remove. So Nehemiah, we talked about him uh, offline. Nehemiah, he wanted to desperately wanted to to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. He was just a cupbearer. He wasn't. He was uh, he was a long way from from um, Jerusalem. And the, the scriptures don't tell us for how long he prayed and planned before he actually got to uh, to see the to see the king, but. He believed that the walls around Jerusalem could be rebuilt and he had a plan on how it was going to, be, going to go about. And if God would make the way, remove the roadblock, would get him the things that he needed to be able to make it happen, then he was, he was the man to do it. Mm. So, so your point there is actually have something that is achievable. It was a high goal, but yeah. it was achievable. achievable. Yeah, okay. If, if, the, if the king provided him with the, the letters of safety, provided him with the, the wood from the... You know the the king's forests. Uh, if he, you know, if if the king and he got all away, those things, he got all those things. Mm, okay. So and then take small steps forward, and and I come back to the example of Nehemiah here. The two things that he did is he prepared and he prayed. So when he was when he was got finally got an audience with the king when it was the right time. We don't know how many times he went before the king and the king, you know, got his cup from him and he. And he went away and he didn't have the chance. He didn't give up. He just kept praying and, and he had his plan there. So when the king asked him, okay, well, what would you do? He said, okay, this is what I need. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. He was ready. He was ready. So And and then, and then so he had it all mapped out in small steps, although they weren't that small by our standards. But we compare the things that we want to do. The steps will be small compared to what Nehemiah had to do. And this brings us back to point eight, which it I does. started with. It does. It brings us right around to the beginning again. <laughs> yeah. Let me throw in another point here that makes some sense for me, and that is the scripture about casting our cares on the Lord. Mm. I think that 
often when men are struggling with issues uh, and they really are, I mean, struggles can be really deep. They can be terribly gut-wrenching and painful. Uh, they can drive a person to suicidal activity, as Mal was talking about in his own past experience. So they can be pretty deep. And learning how to actually go to God and say, God, I, I just got to give this to you. I, I don't know what I'm going to do here. If I need your help. I need you to be uh, my breakthrough in this situation, casting our cares on him. Uh, yes, find friends. Yes, find Christian counselors. Yes, share that load. Yes, look at the steps that guys got available for you there and on the, the, the blog post on the site and, and follow them. Look to the Lord in every one of those mm. situations. Mm. And picking up Mal's point, that's probably what separates the, the new age from the Christian perspective on all of this. The new age idea is that you can find the solution in yourself. And I'd mm. have to say, I, I would never want to go there. Mm. I know where my help comes from, mm. and it don't come from me. When I look to the hills, where will my hope come yeah, it from? It comes from the Lord, nowhere Sorry. else. I'm not going to get it anywhere else. And so uh, don't go trying to be clever enough to solve your problems. Recognize all along you actually are, you do need the Lord. You are going to have to ask him for your help, for his help. And we keep coming back to Nehemiah. It's exactly what he did. He didn't try and force it. There was a huge roadblock there and he prayed and he planned and he left the, the roadblock to the Lord to, to take out. Well, I think this has been like a, a really a teaser in one sense on the whole of the subject. So Mal, thank you so much for being yeah, honest Mal. and sharing your pretty mm -hmm. uh, serious background experience there. And your points that are available on the, on the blog are just great for the people to be able to have access to. But friends, look to the Lord and let him take you on that journey because we want you to be real, real men doing real things for a real and living God. All right. That's a great place to wrap up. So it's been, this time's just flown by on this, uh, this episode. I do hope you'll come back to us next week. And don't forget our website, www.realmen247.org. I'd love to see you on Facebook as well. Let us know what you think think about this episode and let us know if there's a particular topic yeah. you'd like us to cover yeah. or somebody you would like us to track down and interview. That would be very interesting. Thanks. We'd appreciate that sort of feedback. We would and love that. Meanwhile, thanks, everybody. God bless you. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.